It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is happy hour. A cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleans in the bar today, we're at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street, which is a couple of blocks down from Napoleon Avenue in what used to be called the Killing Fields, but now it's perfectly safe. So if you'd like to come here and have a drink, it's happy hour between 3 and 7 every single day, and there's an awesome brunch on the weekends. And during happy hour, you can get half-price drinks and half-price bar food here at Wayfair on Ferret Street. And today's happy hour is brought to us by Door Furniture. For the last 80 years, Door Furniture has been serving retail customers throughout the greater New Orleans area from its home base on Elysian Fields in the Marini, and Strategic Resumes. If you want to sharpen up your resume, your LinkedIn profile, or other job search skills, go to Strategic Resumes. And if you'd like to get away, go to Travel Central in Metairie, where you can start your holiday search with a free person. It's kind of like going on Kayak or Expedia, except someone else does it for you. It doesn't cost you anything either. Thanks to the basic swimming gym, where you can get uh, swimsuits and uh, stuff for yoga there on Magazine Street. Next to Basics Underneath, the lingerie store. Hangover Destroyer is the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. And thanks to the Positive Vibrations Foundation, who create and encourage community. And who's not opposed to that? Through the development and preservation of arts, music, culture, and heritage. Thanks, too, to everybody at our Patreon family. If you'd like to join our Patreon family, go to patreon.com. Search for It's New Orleans Happy Hour. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can be a part of our Patreon family. And if you're looking for Andrew Duhon, he's not here. But he could be in a town near you. Go to andrewduhon.com and see where he's playing, supporting his new record called False River, which is out now. And the human beings sitting around this table here are Monica Stevens. Hey, Monica. Hi. How are you doing? I'm okay. Okay. Me too. <laughs> Small world. Yes. It says here that you're a child psychologist. Is that true? That's what they call me. That's what they call you. Mm-hmm. Do, what do kids call you? Dr. Stevens. Doctor. Uh, are you an actual doctor? I'm an actual doctor. Oh, it doesn't say that here. So Dr. Stevens, I presume. Okay. What are they? What kind of kids are they? So I work with kids in the kindergarten through eighth grade population, primarily in the public school system. They sometimes have worse names for me than Dr. Stevens. I just what want do to they clarify. call you? Didn't you say we could say anything? You can say anything. There's no FCC, and no one's <laughs> going to tell you how to. Well, so we deal with race relations quite a bit. We deal with the intersection of poverty and privilege. And sometimes I might be the white bitch, and sometimes I might be Monica. It depends on what information they've been able to gather from me. Can I write the down the white bitch? You can. Okay. And do they stress white? Do they stress the do they stress the word white or bitch? Uh, bitch is more prominent, I would say, but both. How are, would they say it? Uh, bitch. <laughs> The white bitch, not the white bitch. Only so when it's not I'm in- like a racist thing. It's more like, wow. Okay. How about that? Maybe the FEC is here. I, I think that the spirits, are, wow. the spirits are telling us something. Wow. That's never, I don't know what that was, but that has Whoa. never happened before. I thought maybe, maybe that was a sort of a emergency broadcast. Are yeah. we on the emergency broadcast service here? Yeah. Holy shit, I'm sorry about that, whatever that was. Anyway, nice to meet you, white bitches. Yeah, thank you. We don't get a lot of white bitches. What, what's that? Tell us what happened there. We're still there. We didn't turn the speaker on. Can you turn that? That is really crazy. Okay. Wow. Ah. All right. Okay. I think we call her Dr. Stevens for the rest of the show. Dr. Stevens, I think we better... Okay, yeah, I'm going to go with the Good shaman. idea. I think we leave it at that. So yeah, Britt Will talking to that microphone. This is Britt Will Taylor. So good they named him three times. <laughs> is your real name Brett Will, or did you add the Will in the middle to distinguish no, you from Brett Taylor? It's, uh, it's a long story, but it's... Uh, well, we it's, have time. Exactly, and we have sound. Um, Brett is uh, the name of my... It's the three men who had the earliest influence on me. Brett is my grandfather. Taylor was my stepfather's name, and Will was a name from my father's side of the family. So, um, so what is your actual real name? Brett Will Taylor. But how many? <laughs> so I got my I got my Brett Will or Will or Brett. It doesn't really BWT. matter. BWT. BWT. Lots of BWT. Did you choose those names or did I actually did chose? choose I did choose those names. So I changed my name. Back. So what was your original name? My original name was James Willard Woodruff, which was oh, all that's awesome. my father. J- James. All my father's side. James Willard. 
James and Willard I, Woodruff. And I think the trauma from those... You're old enough to remember this, though you may not, not have really. been... The, you may not have been in the States. In the <laughs> 70s, there was a made-for-TV movie called Willard, and it was about an outcast boy whose best friend was a rat that he trained to kill people or something like that. That's my kind of show. Do you know There that? we go. And it happened to Alex? be on when I was yeah. an outcast boy in elementary school. So I think the trauma from carrying the name Willard for all those years... <laughs> Um, led me years later to change the name. Honestly, then they also, they also made it into a movie that did there, very yeah, well. Yeah, there was a remake Zero, with Crispin no. Glover. I remember it very See. well. Yep. Ah, that's a good point. Crispin Glover would be a great person to have a pet killer rat. Right? I've never heard right? Of this movie. You ever heard of it? Alex oh, Mauser is here. Alex is a trumpet player who's played trumpet with all kinds of exciting people. We don't know who any of them are right now. <laughs> but he's going to tell us who those are. And, uh, and I, this is an interesting development as well. Of all the musicians we've had on the show, and this is our eighth year of doing this, people send us bios, you know, for musicians, and normally it's I played with this person or I played with that person. <laughs> so anyway, so this bio comes from our producer, Graham DuPont. He sends me your bio, and it's, uh, it's, it's from a TED talk. Yeah. I don't think we've ever had a trumpet player who's given a TED talk. I didn't know about that. Very what's, nice. What's, what's, up, with, Jonathan, what's up with the TED talk? Talking to the microphone. Here. John, <laughs> what's up with the TED talk? This Alex? is the voice of Jonathan. Because you're not talking much right now. I, I no, I'm not. So, Jonathan, right. how did you get to be a trumpet player and be invited to give a TED talk? That'd be Alex. I'm Alex. Alex sorry, Jonathan. I was looking at Alex. <laughs> Read, your <laughs> Read your tablecloth. Read your tablecloth. Alex. I got to remember my name too. How did that happen? I there were a group of people from my hometown in Rapid City, South Dakota, who contacted me and just told me that uh, our city, well, my hometown... Rapid City, was, South Dakota. Yeah, Rapid City, South Dakota. They were putting on their fourth annual TEDx event and that I should consider speaking, but I said, what in the hell am I going to talk about? <laughs> I, they were like, you'll figure it out. And so I... How'd they even get your phone number, these people? South Dakota, everyone has everyone's everyone phone number. Everyone knows everybody. <laughs> what exactly. does it look like in South Dakota? The phone numbers? No, the phone numbers. Are, are they numerical? What? They don't, are they numerical or is it like Lassie? Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to say, you know... File 9. So, yeah. <laughs> what are they? Oh, what shit. Those, Jonathan, what were those Lassie phone numbers? you remember? I, I, no. I... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, remember that? Hey, you remember that? Certainly, uh, yeah. Brett, well, because oh, yeah. you're old enough to remember Willard with the pet rat. That's, well, there I were Willard, to be there named, were Willard phone numbers. Wouldn't yeah. you like to be named after a guy who is a pet killer rat, frankly? Is Willard still available? Cause well, I, I, take I was I for a while, are. and then I kind of moved, I grew out of that phase. But wouldn't you like to be caught up really seriously? That sounds like, why would you want to get away from the guy with a pet killer rat? You know, I think 40 years wearing that name was... It was an, it, oh, it so you changed it at 40. Yeah. Oh, so I think, you know, let, so now so there's some other little outcast kid that gets to run around and be Willard with the pet rat. Uh-huh. Okay. So the killer pet rat. Maybe in, maybe in Grand Rapids and is creating... Rapid City. Oh, Rapid, Rapid City. City, excuse City, me. <laughs> it's hard to read upside okay, so down. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't mean uh, what the phone numbers look like. So, I mean, so what does, it, does your new naming Jonathan. scheme reflect your, uh, your... Does your new naming scheme reflect some new identity that you've got that's unrelated to Ooh, killer yeah, rats? And and sure. uh, and, uh, as I said, it kind of it, it relates to uh, father figures. Oh, okay. So that was what, where it came from. And yeah. this is the voice of guitar player extraordinaire Jonathan Freilich who decided to stop by yeah and to it's accompany Alex yeah, yeah it's nice to see you Good okay so it. we'll get back to that why do you change your name in a minute but I just want to know what does it look like in Rapid City South Dakota for, for real it's, is it it's in the middle of, of the Black Hills there's about uh, 70,000 people in the city proper and 150,000 maybe two maybe 175 in the metro Right, Rapid City metro area. It's it's really beautiful. It's in the heart of the Black and Hills. Are they black, or are they white like white bitch type? <laughs> <laughs> no, from a distance okay. they look black. And when the uh, when the some of the indigenous tribes were coming west from the Minnesota area, they they saw the hills from a distance and they looked black instead of like mountains right. or hills covered in trees. And they speak spoke English. These people. No, they did not. I wonder what they called. What was it called originally? Think of Paha Sapa. Aha. Say it again. Paha Sapa. P A H A S A P A. Paha Sapa. And which Indian language is that? Oh, I, I, I think it's Lakota. Lakota. We could call Lakota. Sea Rock. Thomas thinks it's Sue. Sea Rock will tell us in a minute. 
Okay, so there you are, anyway, on the phone, presumably here in New Orleans, because you've been here for a while, right? Yeah, five years, just about. Okay, and so they call you up from Rapid City, South Dakota, because everyone's got your phone number. Because everyone's got my phone number. Black Hills 311 or something. 605. 605. 605. <laughs> and, they say, and they say, hey, come and give a TED Talk. So what happens after that? Uh, I applied with a, an original well, idea. What was it? My original idea was a uh, kind of the intersectionality on race and music education and, and why why some areas have higher level musicians and artists um, than other groups in those areas and like why that is and systems that have been put in place to make sure that that happens in certain ways. So, Are you suggesting there's some sort of conspiracy of systems in place to no, that would be preposterous. I'm not a conspiracy <laughs> theorist. So what systems are in place that would encourage people to be a good musician in New Orleans, say, compared to South N- No, not, not necessarily in New Orleans. Just in different areas of the states. Like okay, well, let's say, okay. Music, music, music costs money to learn in a lot of areas. Ah. New Orleans is one of the few areas in the world where music doesn't cost any money to be able to learn and to be able to learn well, to be able to talk to your elders without... That's because we have a history of music here and it's possible. The, I mean, the generation. whole city is music. The, right. the city is music. It's more than a history. I've been here for quite a while. I can't play anything. What about you, what white happened? bitch? Can you, <laughs> can you play anything? No, I cannot. How long I'm, have you been here? Uh, since 2010. 2010, so that's 23 years. 20, no. <laughs> How many years is that, roughly? Uh, say, eight years. Eight years. This is my that's eight long enough summer. to learn to play something if you were serious about it. If I was serious about it, yes. I would push back a little, little, little on you around... Um, that it costs nothing to learn music, only that I think for the most part there's a lot of schools that have great music programming, but there's a lot of schools that don't, and there also are some fees associated with it, and some parental involvement is necessary. But there's really great programs like the Roots of Music, which I think deserve a shout-out, that are great at involving kids from lower-income communities or not. Uh, in music education, they supply the instruments, and they also keep kids really busy, like five, six days a week. And they provide yeah. transportation, and so there's definitely organizations out there that are overcoming some of the barriers. But you're definitely. absolutely right; that is the strength of the city. Yeah, yeah. As, as opposed to most other places. I thought you were absolutely. disagreeing with it, but now you're agreeing. I just push back a little. Okay, so hey, listen, you can have great music education and terrible musicians. I just want to point that out. Yeah, there's some other reasons why people are doing very well in different areas what uh, as well. Is, what is the reason, then, in your opinion? John? The reason is familiarity and importance of music as a cultural item uh, in, in, right. in cultures. So, so, in other words, if it's, if it's a vernacular thing that explains something and is related to life cycle events nice. and is generally related to stuff, then, uh, then, it, has, uh, then it has an increased significance and also people know what they want to play and it's related to their linguistic situation. And if it's not, then it's a struggle and it... it Either way, because it's a complicated form, and unless people, unless you have very good teachers that can explain to people why or how they would want to form such a thing or get involved in it, then you end up with a kind of strange soulless. soullessness. Right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Jinx. Yes, yeah. I, you knew I was going to say it too. It's kind of <laughs> I funny. like that. So when you say linguistic, you're talking about language, not yes. linguistic as in sense of linguistics, but music as a language. Yeah, but so it's also related to, to talking language. I mean, that, oh, that's really? a feature of it. Sure. Well, Any sound making. Yes. I find the opposite. I find that musicians tend to often, apart from you two intellectuals, they often tend to be inarticulate and unable to express themselves very well. Or, or unwilling to or not wanting to. You don't find that, Brett, well? Absolutely. No, no. And I think the thing is also, you know, and this may just be saying all this a little bit of a different way, but I think for kids... Um, you know, music isn't um, an outlier in New Orleans. I mean, it's, it's not something right. that, that you have to seek. It's not something that's unusual. It is, whether it's the defining part of our city, because I don't think you can define New Orleans in any way, but it is certainly a fundamental element of our city. So you can't escape music here, or it's hard to, which means that if you're a little kid that perhaps only could talk through music, or that's your preferred way of communicating, mm-hmm. um, those opportunities are here. It's every and and they're here formally and informally. I think um, we for real. yes, there's that, and also uh, we should discuss the fact that 
part of the problems in education is also teaching people to be fluent in their own damn language. Mm -hmm. Like people are not being educated to the level that we mm. could educate them in general, which is why the, you end up with a lack of articulateness, especially where people become frustrated and can't run things in music. Is articulateness a word, actually? Uh, articulation is a word. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, and I t totally echo your thought there. And, and language also thinking outside of where you're from, from, or whatever, but that there's nonverbal and verbal ways of expressing. And when we look at, we sort of systematically can look at um, intellectual testing for kids, especially those that have been exposed to trauma or chronic stress, and they tend to test higher on nonverbal performance tests than verbal performance tests. And so things like sports, music, arts, all the other ways of expressing oneself become way more important than how you mm -hmm. perform on uh, whatever stupid standardized tests they're doing right now. Right. Yeah. That's right. And let's nice. also keep in mind in New Orleans, you know, part of what's missing in education in some parts, um, though I, th I think they've almost caught up, is the number of kids who've never actually been in a school building. They've yes. been in trailers. And so you go to parts of you go to parts of New Orleans East, and there's kids that years and years and years. Some kids would go through an entire elementary school um, experience, and they've only been in a trailer. So you know, I think there are. I mean, we all. This is this is New Orleans or Mississippi. No, we're talking about New Orleans, and especially go to New Orleans East. And you know, there are. You know, and of course, this comes from the storm and other things. Where the story is, it's all about the lower ninth. Anyone who spends time here knows that's not true. But I think, you know, to me, the beauty of music, I'm not a musician, I'm certainly not a psychologist, I don't ask deep probing questions, <laughs> um, you mm. know, to me, the beauty of music here is um, it's a doorway, and it is a way that some folks are able um, to access something that helps them survive growing up here, um, and, some, and kind of make sense of it. So. I agree. Hey, would you like to hear some music while you're here? Absolutely. Because I happen to have oh, two hear One or two. Yeah. I want to hear a TED Talk. I like that. We haven't even got to the TED Talk. And we <laughs> haven't. Like, where did we go? We're, we're lost in the not, they're not black. See, and and, that, and that's, black. What, that's what happened with the topic. I realized that would happen, so I threw it out, and uh, I went to a whole new idea. I said, that so was you're just holding a, back from Okay, us. that's pretty good. <laughs> well, we just went there, and that, that's what happens with that. <laughs> that idea was just yeah. a complete waste of time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a doctoral thesis. That's not a... Are you, talk. Not right. a Are you interested yeah. in doing a PhD? Mm. Have you thought about that? Uh, yes. Would you like a group of children with which to work? Speaking of PhD, <laughs> I need another glass of wine. Oh, we can hook you up. These girls <laughs> here, from, the girls who stay local are also working as waitresses today. Thanks. Um, okay, so what, Wait, what, what do we, you want to play? I mean, what are we going to play here, guys? Um, uh, that's what they're that's what they're insinuating. That's what they're offering. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm trying to sort of segue to yeah, yeah, all right. Um, Why don't we play Saints? Oh no, no. <laughs> you you guys play, uh, I'll get my guitar. Okay, yeah. Okay. And, uh, so Jonathan Freilich is a guitar player who's one of the original members of the New Orleans Klezmer All Stars, as well as the Naked Orchestra and a lot of other incredible music around town. And Alex Massa is play with all sorts of people, including currently Samantha Fish, I believe, which is a whole other story which we're going to have to get to in a minute. But now we're going to have a completely unrehearsed moment. Unrehearsed. Do you no guys idea. play together regularly, or is this a special occasion? You know, we've played together some. We've played together some. Right. And when was the last time? Uh, November. November, that's right, because okay, so that was been out of town a lot. Last year. So you've been on the road with Samantha Fish, I hear. Yes. How's Great. that going? It's, she's sort of a rock star. She is a rock star. Yeah. Yes, indeed, she is. It's been an insane... I, I started in January, and it's been totally insane. And in good ways and bad ways and everything in between. And how, it's, who's in the horn section? Uh, how many, I mean, what instruments are there? Uh, it's a seven-piece band. Wow. Yeah. Last time band. I saw her, there was three people. That is correct. So, so she's added, like, how many horns? Two horns, yeah. one violin, a keyboardist, and a keyboardist. Okay, yeah. so this is pretty cool now. This is a whole show now. Yeah, it's a it's a spectacular, if yeah. you will. Wow. Yeah, it's um. So there's charts and everything now. You have to learn parts and everything. Yeah, we learn parts. I like we've we've thrown some new parts in, um. Opened up some songs and you know just doing the damn thing. Wow. wow. So that's cool. So you're playing big audiences and actual theaters and yeah. festivals? Yeah. Where'd you just come from? We, uh, our last show ended in 
our last tour ended in Philadelphia. Cool. Um, then you know the flight got canceled, so we had to drive down to DC and fly out. Right. Whole whole day ordeal. Just like Spinal Tap. Okay, and you and you're getting paid and everything. Yes. So this, is, this has been a great I do get summer. Paid. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. It came down from the mountains. And here he goes. The Black Hills. Okay, so what have you decided to play? I don't know. It's we're going to play this. Uh, we're going to play one of my original tunes. Oh, we are? It's a, yeah, it's, a, it's an E-flat blues. Okay, let's go for it. Hey, it's do called... we need to mic this up, by the way? Thomas? Ooh, that sounds good. We were getting a show. Know, we're I'm going to have to take these off to play. Did you know we were getting a show? So, I'm very happy. Yeah. Okay. He did the hair flip, so he must be ready. Is that too loud? Are we okay? No. All right. So it's like a, uh, it's like a boogaloo. Start it. What do you call that? Uh, that was an original tune of mine called Sex Hair. Sex Hair. Hair. H-A-I-R. H-A-I-R. Isn't and is it written about anybody in particular? <laughs> or is it about a single hair? Or, <laughs> like, that's, yeah. It's a great word. <laughs> it's, it's instead it's, of it's pubic. I mean, instead of pubic, we eat sex hair. No, it's like, you know, after you... After, after you... Like, after it's better after than bedhead. After, yeah. It's, it's, it's cleaner than hairs, right? One yes. Using the term hair is much more sanitary oh, than yeah. hairs, right? Well, and that makes people question. Because like if I said sex hairs... That you have sex hairs... That's your scene. Yeah, well, it also <laughs> could be like there's 550 <laughs> That would be something the FCC hairs. would get us on. <laughs> yeah. Alex your glass of wine is here. We would have to go see Dr. White Bitch if we had sex hairs. That's not my specialty. God only knows what you charge for that. Yes. <laughs> no. Where, and where would we find our sex hair song? Uh, it is, is it available to be stolen on the internet somewhere? 
uh, pretty soon you can steal it. Okay. Off of what album? Uh, I'm releasing a short EP uh, in about the middle to late September. And Fantastic. it's just four, four or five tunes. Okay. And that'll be on it with a couple. And can we actually buy it? Yeah. Or you can steal it. Why would you want to do that? You don't, you don't need to do that. You don't so want to do that. Music. Has it, no one's buying music at all. Did you see that Peter Frampton put on the Facebook post? I saw that. Is that true? What did he write? What, what did he say? He said, uh, for 55 million streams of Baby I Love Your Way, I received like 2,000 or 1,750 bucks. Yeah, 1,760. And he went to Washington <laughs> with ASCAP last year. This is what the, the, the tweet said. It was a meme or tweet, whatever. And he said that, that the Congress or the lawmakers' jaws dropped when he told them that. And they're not going to do anything anyway. Well, I mean, that the Music Modernization Act that's in the, in the House right now, or is it the Senate? It's the House, is um, poised to change that. I don't know all the details on it. I just know that they're working on that. So that well, that makes us feel better. Congress it's not going to do anything. It's not right. going to. Musicians, I, I understand. I think the musician payout off of the entire music business is twelve percent. Uh, the the rest mm. of the money goes to, uh, to the other people and uh, Beyonce and Jay Z. And uh, <laughs> and, and no, I doubt that I doubt that will change. It will probably it'll probably there'll probably be an increase in money. Eleven percent will end up going to musicians, and the well, rest will go well, to. What is the modern, what does the music <laughs> modernization act say? Is it going to actually really make Spotify pay musicians like you guys? No. I don't know all the exact language. I just know that they're working, and it has bipartisan support. They're working to make songwriters more money. I don't know if that's... Songwriters. Yeah, songwriters. Famous, the holy songwriter, yes. Okay. So what do you musicians musicians make about, um, I guess, this idea, like, I'm a big Radiohead fan, and they release, I guess, second-to-last album, just straight, and you could donate whatever you wanted. My, I don't know what their numbers ended up, but my, I paid like what I would pay for a record store just because I appreciated choice. Yeah, is that viable? I think uh, if you're Radiohead, it is. Well, yeah. wait, I think, there's a I voice think it's from valuable. Above. Where did that come from? That was Thomas. <laughs> that was my gin and tonic talking. I think it's think. valuable because a lot of people, when given that choice, whether it's a big artist or an independent artist at the local mm-hmm. level, when given a choice, be like hey, instead of getting it from Spotify, come download it for free from my website. If you want to give me 50 cents, if you want to give me 5 bucks, if you want to give me 20 bucks for it, you can do whatever, but at least come to my site and yeah, download it no for free. Yeah, but no one's ever going to do that. That's, people are going to go to Spotify I still. I mean, like, it's kind of sure. like, like Patreon. Right. It's, it's the same idea as Patreon. It's, right. Mm-hmm. That's true. But, but we've now got used to going to Spotify and whatever else. Google Play or whatever the hell else. Well, give them an incentive. There's going to be some way that they've got to collect the money for you and and get it to you because no one's going to go to your website. Well, I wouldn't say no one. I have an Will Taylor might. I have an average of two and a half. James Willard Woodruff. Two and a half visits a day to my website. Very nice. Two and a half a day. Two and a half a day. Two and a half. On average. That's average. Two point two five. So days it's three, and other days it's four. Some days it's zero. Some days there are big days. Monica. The hard thing about this conversation for me is if we're talking about just bridging the conversations, if we're talking about how to make a music career lucrative, and then we're also talking about how to give kids who are not going to otherwise excel in traditionally academic subjects some hope of how to make a living out of it, like, what am I supposed to do when I'm talking to? I think you're supposed to not encourage them at all to think that, or even any musicians. I think you're supposed to encourage them to go for the highest, uh, 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 the highest thing that they can hope to achieve with music as an art form, and that the at this point in time, it's so ludicrous to think that you're going to attempt to be famous or make money from doing music if you don't love it. Really, mm-hmm. the thing you should be doing is aiming to make a living any old house so that you can play exactly whatever you want with absolutely mm-hmm. no market pressure to do what is essentially an anti-enlightenment situation mm-hmm. going on in okay. arts. I mean, it's like the only way to generate that is to have people really looking after the art form, becoming people right. that are, are yeah. amazingly literate at that. Are in it and, for the 
the game alone. And are in it because they love it. They will generate gravity that way. But uh, but right now, you know, people trying to make the next same thing that went on before that made money the last time. I mean, this is what the game has been now for 20 years. Well, that's I mean, not people, art. It's, like, it's not art. It's and not it's art. It's not art. That's good feedback. Well, you know. what is it? It's um, it's commercial pressure in right. a society that's hardly offering a living for certain kinds of people yeah, and certain in, in other kinds of. It's fields. the same thing of how many parents tonight, when their kid you know, or as their kid gets ready for school, will say, "You should open. You should be a business person. You should be a lawyer. You should be a doctor because right. that's how you make money." It's the same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a great when people do make money off of it. I mean, but you know, but the idea, and, and definitely, there's all you know. We've had we've had definitely sixty, seventy years of the, of the the, the dream of the rock star, which mm-hmm. you know is now so ingrained that uh, you know that that everyone's driving towards it, mm-hmm. which is you know, or wants to drive towards it if they get in because they want to be young. They take that and we can convert. My, you know, I, I love it because. You know that bolt of energy that you come out of adolescence with is something else, and mm-hmm. should be expressed in great ways and not put down, and, and can take on a multiple, an incredible, endless number of forms in society. And we have it regimented down to: I'm just going to make the biggest song, and it's going to be popular. Mm-hmm. On now, I mean, is this really how we want to right. stifle the en- the full energy of uh, you know? Well, how did you yeah, get? How is. did you guys get started as, as musicians? Did you did you start out thinking you were going to be a rock star because you played the trumpet? What made you pick up the trumpet of all things? Uh, the because Hills? there were too many drummers in the middle school band. <laughs> that was it. Perfect. Well, he said, "Does anyone want to switch?" And I was like, "I'm tired of playing the drums." <laughs> was it hard to pick up the trumpet? Did you have a good teacher, or did you have to teach yourself off of YouTube? I had an okay teacher. Right. That was way before YouTube. That was before the internet. You learned the trumpet yeah. before the internet. Before Not the, the internet. internet. That was exaggerated. But it, it was, I mean, I played the piano a little bit. So I knew that music was patterns and shapes. Right. I didn't know anything else. It took me forever to it get. Seems like a hard instrument to pick up. I'm not here. People play the trumpet everywhere you go, but. Just get a YouTube of, video, man. Yeah, that's that's yeah. <laughs> you just blow in one end. There's and you, art right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just blow in the one end and move your fingers up and down. Yeah. Basically, that's and, and basic. then you just. You, you just hope. It's pretty simple. You just Nothing hope. To, how, when did you find out you were good? How long had you been playing it before you thought, hey, you know, I'm pretty I good? I haven't found this. out yet. No, so I'm still you know. waiting for someone I'll send to you an figure email. that out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. So why don't you use the term anti-enlightenment, John? Yeah. Did you say that? That's a great term. You think that's the era that we're in now? We're the in the anti-enlightenment. Yeah, essentially. We have, we have an absolute non-flowering of all arts and philosophy. I mean, if you, if, you, if, you, if you consider what people consider enlightenment periods in human, in, in human stuff, they're periods of great tolerance, uh, an influx of influences from all over that have, that, have been, that have been in the dark forever, and a flowering of, and a free flowering of human idea that takes... It, it, this, I'm just saying, if you don't have those going on, you have uh, the lights going out, which is essentially right. what, what Would we're you doing. agree with that, Britt Will, as a storyteller? Oh, um, and shaman. Do you know what Brett you know, Will is? I, I don't. Um, I'm going to tell you I, guys. I think uh, maybe I've just gotten too old. I, I think uh, art always exists, just like love always exists, just like hate always exists. And I think, um, and I don't mean this as a challenge to you because you seem to be a very thoughtful person, which is um, maybe making me want to go to bars more often. Um, <laughs> but. Um, but, you know, I think we live in this crazy world. It's like what social media has done um, has, and, and just politics, or just what we've done in, in American society, is we've made the, the game about being the expert and having the answer. And within that is this absolutely ridiculous idea that there has never been a time as bad or as good or as whatever as ours. And I think that's bullshit. Because the Earth's been here kind of a long time. People have been here a fairly long time. If you know history, there's always been ebbs and flows. And so I totally agree with you that there are these beautiful kumbaya periods where things flower and beautiful art comes out. I also think part of the story of this city, and I mean this very carefully because I'm not sensationalizing this at all. I've spent years working in mental health. Part of the story of New Orleans is that from darkness, from violence, from pain, from destruction, 
can also come music. Yes. And I think it's, you know, now there's layers to this because there's also what the Yahoo's in D.C. and in corporate America are doing are completely different. I don't, I, I don't follow music a lot, but I don't know anyone. Um, who was the guy with Atlantic Records for years? Ahmed Erdogan? No, wait, before that. He, like, did Whitney and... He was closet case, which is redundant for music industry. But Clive but, Owen, um, Davis. Clive Owen, Clive Owen, yeah, Clive. So you know, I don't think there's any like Davis. Clive Davis. I don't think there's anybody like Clive in the music industry. Or you know, you go back to Elvis and you had Sam, whatever, who were obviously huge money makers, but they were looking for talent and for artists. And maybe that doesn't exist, but I think there's still great people. Um, maybe even Republicans, um, if they can deal with their sex hair, um, <laughs> making great music. You know, I think it's part of what we do. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. Humans, there's musicality. I don't think that disappears. That's not what I'm talking about. I, even, even, even in periods that aren't enlightenments, there's never not been music unless people prohibit it. And that does happen. Mm-hmm. And then that is one of the features. People involved in prohibitions of things is, is one of the features of not going through a particular particularly enlightening time period. But on the other hand, I mean, we do... It's hard to say. I mean, I said that very blank. We're in a massive flowering of science and, and, and development and technology that is, you know, could be called unparalleled. And it's, you know, and, and that really, it's not to give it its fair shake. It's massive in terms of human development and what's happened that way. And, in fact, it influences the music business. It influences music. It influences the arts altogether. And, so I'm not saying that, but right. there is an end of it that has to do with things like philosophy, connection, uh, meaning. We we have a huge deficit of meaning going on, yeah. you know, which is well, very it's difficult. It's a very mental yeah. time. I mean, with that science, it's very mental. It's problem solving, which implies there are five steps to take, which, you know, you go from that to say to become a great artist. You go to this school, you study for this many years. And it happens. Uh-huh. And I think there's another side to it, right? Brett, well, what about your own personal enlightenment and your own personal development? That was what I'm pretty interested to hear something about here. Because I, I read this in your bio on yep. your website, yep. and now I understand what happened here, because you were originally James Willard Woodruff. <laughs> and, and then I was consumed of, by killer rats. 40, <laughs> you had like a... An experience. Yeah, I did. An awakening of some sort. I I did. Well, yeah, I certainly would call it. I mean, you know, um, I guess one of the headlines or the sort of hooks or pauses I would add to that is, um, you know, I don't think it's a journey of enlightenment. I think certainly God knows. I mean, I think in a way we're we're all enlightened. We all have whatever those gifts are, however you want to define it. Um, To me, what's missing in life, and this may be part of what you're saying, is a lack is a uh, is an awareness is a, an awareness of just how amazing this place you know how, how amazing life is and um, so for me I uh, forty was um, found me in Boston Massachusetts I had had a career in politics I had moved to Boston when I was twenty four to come out and to get in politics because as a Texas boy I just thought that's what you could do that. Boston would be have their couldn't wait to get Texans up to uh, tell people good, how to do politics. Good place for gay politics. Yeah, it is a good place. We, we, right. we, we it's it turn, in the water. It did turn out to be a good place. For gay it, it did. It All did. Right. So I had a great life in politics. I had a great consulting business. I was a uh, type A East Coast gay, very happy. Um, all the uh, accoutrements of success, and um, woke up from a nap on a Saturday afternoon, and a raven flew up from between the slats of our wood floor and brushed my cheek and said, it's time, and disappeared into the ceiling. And, was um, that a real, actual bird? or were No, you it just... was, I guess, like a vision, but it was pretty damn real at the time, and I was not a guy. I would not, at, at 40, I would not even have stayed for the end of that statement. Um, so it was kind of <laughs> freaky. And um, two days, and I just rolled over and went back to sleep because it was like, okay, yeah, it must have been the falafel. Um, <laughs> so, um, so then two days later, I uh, was at the Sports Club LA because being a type A gay, on Monday I spent $125 for my personal trainer. 
and then I worked out on the elliptical machine for an hour, and then I spent $150 for my yoga trainer because, you know, Ooh. yoga. On the with same Lulu day? Lemon was there. Oh, yeah, because and you want to get it all. You don't have time for that stuff through the week. For yoga. Yeah. I'm a yoga yeah. teacher. Also. Oh, perfect. Well, we yeah. should yeah. talk. We, we should talk. talk. <laughs> we should talk. Friend. Yeah, yeah. You could do it a lot cheaper than $150. Yeah. 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 He's like, I'll do it $140.99. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm on the elliptical machine, or I think even Stairmaster because I was younger, so I didn't have to have those crazy elliptical support things and and I just started rising up through the ceiling and I went through the Sports Club LA, through the Ritz Carlton, across the Boston Common and over to where there was an Indian burial ground and I was so mental my whole thing was just like I didn't know there was an Indian burial ground on the other side of Boston Common. I'm not paying attention to what's going on. And I was listening to Madonna. What medication are you on? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to Madonna, so I told my oh. yoga teacher that I was in the groove and um, and she's like, I think you astral planed. And and shades at this table, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't and I was like, Astro, like astroturf? And I literally had to have her write it down. And um, it just started this um, and then leaving the Sports Club LA, I could hear everyone's thoughts, which I was able to do for quite some time. Um, thoughts I didn't want to hear um, beyond sex hair. You can't still do that right right now, <laughs> yeah. can you? Only if I want to, and I don't, because it's not <laughs> pleasant. Um, but, Let's do a uh, test. What am I doing? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> okay. not. Exactly. She's yeah. like, I'm going to give you my card. Come see the psychiatrist. No, so, I, want um, to, I want you to give me your card. Yeah, but okay, so um, this is all just happening to you. Un- this happened to me in the unwanted. span of 96 hours and very and unwanted. And you haven't been reading books about spiritual development? Oh, I didn't no. even know what any of it. I, okay. I mean, no, I didn't know what it was. So Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was uh, started a 10 to 12-year journey, depending on how and you count it. Did you, 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 you were in a real relationship then? You were, you were, you were I married? Was. I was. I was married to an amazing man. And did and you tell him? What, what happened when you told I him? I finally told him. He um, was and is a Bulgarian. And any of you who know East, any Eastern Europeans, mm-hmm. um, his comment I will never forget, and I won't try to imitate his accent because he would find me and kill me, his... <laughs> his um, his comment was, I do not like change. Mm. Whoa. And I was like, well, whatever is doing this to me, I'll send that up and see if we can turn this off. And, and it didn't. And so, you know, you jump forward to 10 or 12 years, however long it took. And, um, and, and really what it was about, and I didn't know any of this at the time, was what Jung would call the shadow journey or um, Christian mystics call the dark night of the soul. And so what that really is about... The easiest way I've found to explain to people is we all have that thing about us, deep about us, that makes us flinch when we think, when we're looking in the mirror and you look away really quickly, where you can't quite finish that. And the journey is about excavating all that and building a relationship with all of it and trying to see what's good, what isn't, not even label it, um, and accept that um, we all have great stuff about us and we all have awful stuff about us. So what do you do now? Did you walk away from politics and consulting and marriage and everything? I did. I did. Yeah, I haven't. I didn't completely walk away from consulting. Thank God, I have a couple clients that have stuck with me. Um, so absolutely, can, absolutely. Well, yes, yeah, so I can pay for my Unipero and tonic. I don't have right. to drink that New Amsterdam shit because <laughs> I would shut this down if I had to drink New Amsterdam. That's my favorite gin. with New Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> so you still hold down a day job. I, At the same I, time I, as being what? It's a, what it's are, a you, transition. are you called a shaman now? I think you know some people do. My dead great grandmother told me that's what I was. She appeared one night in a restaurant. I never met her and said it, and I didn't know what that was either. Um, she didn't write it down. Um, there wasn't a pen that the ghost the, could use. Yeah, I think those. I think like spirits <laughs> struggle with pens and stuff, except for yeah. Um, so what are you? What did, what do you call yourself? I'm Brett Will Taylor. I mean, I think you know. I think I. Uh, but do you do readings for people? I mean, are you a I do some. Psychic? I actually did one earlier today. and um, But I, I feel like I'm on a bridge, which in a way we all are, right? Nietzsche said that um, human is a going, being human is a going across. And um, so I think I may just be a little more aware of the possibility that all of us are on a bridge. And so I write. Um, I uh, do rituals with men, some sort of quote-unquote healing rituals. Um, and I still do some consulting work. And I put it all under the rubric of storytelling, of help, helping people be aware of their story, 
but maybe a little bit beyond the super the superficial aspect of branding and crap like that. Yeah. Though I made a lot of money doing branding work, so I guess I shouldn't. Are you doing it. therapy? No. Like Monica does? No, absolutely no, no. I I because I I mean I that's and I think that's part of what's wrong with this space is people decide that they're. Uh, healer or a, a, a savior or a martyr. Mm-hmm. What I tell people what I can do is I can hold up a mirror. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's my work. So I can see, I can, if I'm in a session with someone. Um, well, what's a session for though? What do you call it? To hold up a mirror because you see. But I mean, what do people think they're doing? They, they must be getting something out of it. I think what they're getting out of it, some people get out of it a confirmation of, yeah, you know, that's kind of what I've been seeing. And, can, you oh, see here's the, a path. can you see the future? Or? I don't think anybody can see the future. I think so anybody can tell you that. So I, I see the present. You. What I see is the present. And I think that's a part of what's missing in society hmm. um, is, you know, this isn't you by a long shot. Alex, I mean, Alex never, you. Alex never said it. But, I mean, but there are a lot of people who, when they prepare an EP, the space they're in, is you know sitting down with Beyonce and Jay Z, like that's where they live now. They've made the billions and all that, and they step out of the present. Um, and back to what we were talking about earlier, you talk about art, you talk about being a human. You can't be human. You can't be an artist if you're not present. But then, what about dreaming? What about having an ambition? Dreaming. Oh, yeah. dreaming, dreaming is different. Yeah, Go, let's let's yeah. hear from. I want to hear yeah. from Monica. Okay. About no, 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 that sorry. whole thing about Jungian stuff, dreams, He's the whole like, get thing. Get that out let's of here. Go. Come on, Monica. But that's, no, that's all. That's the that's the foundation of modern psychology. Everything that he's yeah. speaking about is the foundation of modern psychology. So those are all the names. And actually, a PhD in psychology is a is a uh, doctorate in philosophy because we're rooted in those like major tenets of what our the people that came before us think about humanity and think about how the mind works. So there's a lot of ancient wisdom that I think's pretty good, but some of it's trash for sure. <laughs> and then, but but so I think the difference between us is my practice is much more rooted in Western medicine Correct. practices, right, right? And you're probably more. Would you identify Eastern? Is I that think, fair? I think it's not even. I mean, I I see that people drop in and out of being with me again you hold that mirror up they're like right. oh here's those three things you you have a long I mean usually your work you have a long time long term relationship with folks okay um, that's, that's what I would say is the deal. So, and yeah it's you know it's, it certainly is more eastern than western but that's cool sometimes people just want to drop in and they don't need a long term relationship with insurance providers involved and what we're starting to finally see thank god is integrative medicine which exactly. is both things coming together and you get a little more choice about it, whereas it used to be very, the doctor here, and I'm sorry, I'm mimicking up, and then the patient down, and that it's very hierarchical, and now we're looking at more collaboration between patient and doctor. Yeah, and I, I think part of what I do, and I don't do this, I don't seek to do it, but what I've seen with folks, because I've also worked in community mental health as a consultant, not tied to this journey for, since 1995, and, um, or 92, um, but part of what I'm able to do, because it's softer, it's less intimidating, right? And it's more unknown, and it's simpler, is I can open a door sometimes for folks to be like, oh, right. And I think that maybe helps some people find So you can tell a, us the truth about ourselves. Yeah, I, I reflect it. Reflect a possibility. I'm, I'm, to me, it's a reflect a possibility. Whatever you want to do with that, awesome. You know, there are a lot of people that... We'll gladly take your money for years on that, but I think that's crazy. Okay, you guys want to play another song while we're still here? Sure. And then after that, after the song, then, Alex, you have to tell us what was the TED Talk actually about. Oh, shit. All right. We never He's quite got to it. Out. Yes. Yeah. Okay, what are we playing this time? I don't know. What do you want to play, Alex? It's your scene. I, I well, have let everyone know Alex really said, can you come down and play with me on this show? And I had no idea I was coming on your show. You didn't realize so, you were going to be dragged into this whole thing. No, again. but I love it. I'm like, oh, the wafer. Oh, it's yeah. that. <laughs> we love having you. Um, this next one. Uh... You know, about two years ago, I got pulled into. About two years ago, I got pulled into. Uh, the two, two and a half years ago, all these crazy musicians, you know, Jonathan Freilich. Um, I know it's not how you pronounce your name, but that's how I pronounce it. It's fine. It's 
Um, it's a good one. He's a giving guy. Helen Gillet, James Singleton, and they, Johnny Vodakovich, and they were all always improvising. They were just making everything up on the spot. And That's I, a bunch of great that musicians. Was, right that was there. what I had been doing my whole life, and um, people told me it was wrong. And then I, I bumped into all these crazy motherfuckers, and they're like, oh no, this is. How you do it? This is what. This is how you do it. So, this next one is is going to be a little journey. Okay. That we've entitled <laughs> Afternoons on Ferret. In the age of unenlightened, anti-enlightenment. Oh, uh, anti-enlightenment on Ferret. Anti- yeah. Back up, back up, everybody. <laughs> For the benefit of the future enlightenment. <laughs> it's like a time capsule. It's a, it's a time capsule piece. The lights here are in a bell jar. It's like if you grease the bottom and suck the air out, it'll be a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the next song. Okay. Enlightenment looks good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to call it Afternoons on Ferret in the Age of the Anti-Enlightenment? Uh, sure, let's call yeah. it that. I like that. <laughs> that I don't know who came up with that. That was a collective. That was a collective. That was very nice. But wait until the new bill passes. That's wait right. until, otherwise we're... The MMA. Who, well, who wrote that? You, bo- you guys both wrote that together. Yes. See, it's co-writing. We all write it. So you both collect on that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Alex, we have to get out of here at some point soon, but before we go, you have to tell us what was the eventual TED Talk topic. It was about the art of listening in regards to uh, free improvisation in music. Okay. Basically relating how we listen and, more importantly, how we don't listen uh, in regards to specific experiences I've had within improvised music and how one really big experience turned out horribly and one turned out really beautifully. Mm. Ah, so you can have a bad jazz day. <laughs> yes. What I've, never, I've never heard of that. I've you never can had have lots one. of them and then survive. <laughs> what, ha- what happens when that happens, when you sit on the bandstand with all these talented people and it just doesn't work? It's like looking inside yourself and seeing a big empty attic that's never nice. been looked after. Perfect. The floorboards you might fall <laughs> in. <laughs> You guys, sorry. I'm not trying to make this about me or my work, but I kind of am real quick because I love this and I really want to look at your TED Talk because we talk about the work that we're doing with kids that are sort of chaotic, that we play jazz as adults in terms of there's not like a systematic way to do this thing. And you kind of got to like riff off one another, which is coming from like somebody who's shit about music. So correct me if I'm wrong. 
but I think y'all may be contributing to the world in way bigger ways than you do, which is cool. Yeah. Let me know the name of the TED Talk, I yeah, guess. Yeah, for sure. Do <laughs> you think there's a parallel between jazz and... Dealing with ba- children, badly yes. Badly kids? Are they called badly behaved or what's the Challenging thing? behavior. Challenging behavior. Mm. Yeah. How do you? How do they get to your clinic? They're uh, referred from their schools. They're having trouble being in a regular school setting, and the okay. schools refer them. I was one of those kids. I Where went are you? To, I went to somebody like you when I was in elementary school. Oh, okay. That's well, we're not good. an alternative school. I just want to be clear for the listeners. What, almost, almost. How would there. I find you if I'm a troubled child or I have a troubled child? The schools find us. We're the New Orleans oh, okay. Therapeutic so, Day Program. New Orleans Therapeutic Day Program. Mm-hmm. So it's through school. So I couldn't just find you as a parent. Uh, you could, and then we will fight hard to get you there. Okay. But it's a great thing to Google. To Google. You're on Therapeutic Day program, and you're the you run the you're the director of it. I'm a clinical director, clinical but I'm director. not the the head honcho. But I can definitely get answers. Okay, wow, nice man. This has been a pretty amazing it's conversation. Here yeah, today, it has. Isn't it? It's very cool. Incredible. So, Brett, well, how do we find you if I'm looking for answers to my follow the Raven? Um, no, uh, no. <laughs> you, uh, how do you find me? I've got a website, brettwilltaylor.today, and I think there's a way dot on there. Today. To, dot today. Isn't I didn't even cool? know you could do that. I didn't either. Thank God for my web designer. But uh, he thought that would work. And Brett Will sure. Taylor today. Yeah. Yeah. Dot today. Dot today. you got to okay, do the yeah, dot yeah, sorry, or you'll dot never today. find me. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so people make appointments and they can, do you have an office or you work out of a bar or something? I work. <laughs> I, I try not to. That didn't go well. That was an experiment that failed. But um, it's expensive. But yeah, people can get in touch and we'll figure it out. So we just find you, and then so you, they come to you. Do you, have, you don't have an office. Though. It depends yeah. on where I am because I travel around quite oh, a bit. Oh, you do. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Are I you even work in? with some people over the phone. Are you? Li- oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So you can read people's inner psyche without actually looking at them. Yeah. I'm all, I mean, we're all energy and matter, right? So anything. So it's all props. Is that true though? You can really get a feel of somebody without actually being in the physical presence of them. Sure. That's a pretty Absolutely. good challenge to have. I mean, I think that I gets like to it. improv, right? It's all tied together in a well, way. Well, can yeah. you have a relationship yeah. with someone like that? Sure. Without Absolutely. ever being in the same place? Oh, yeah. Well, because, I, I mean, what's place but four walls? And, I mean, like, where do you draw the line of how close do you have to be? So I think it's just a, you know, it's just well, a way of relating to folks. Well, you can I have think. a relationship with me because you can pick up on that. But what, how do I relate to you? That's not I, for me to I say. Te- That's for you. Can you teach other people to tune into that? You know, again, I have to. I try to be really clear about what I do and don't do. I can um, offer. I can tell stories to folks. I can, um, you know, plant seeds. I uh, I can hold up mirrors and sure, I can give people tips. But again, I think it's it's. I go back to music or I go back to psychology, right? Books. And classrooms and YouTube can only teach you so much, right? At some point, you got to just listen to yourself and find that whatever it is that's going to f- keep teaching you and keep it alive. On the eastern side of medicine, on the western side of medicine, sorry, I would yeah. say we're doing telepsychiatry and telepsychology because there's also an epidemic crisis of mental health professionals that are available to the people that need it. So we definitely... This, you know, it's meeting a need. Okay. And it's listen, you know, now to tie it all back together, it's listening. Yeah. And uh, you can often listen to people better when you're not watching them. Um, it's a different, it's a different That's way. That's why we have a podcast. That's exactly. So you don't have to look at us. It's much better just to listen <laughs> to us. Or yeah. bring us drinks. Okay, you guys, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a very enlightening thank and you for having conversation. Us. I hope it wasn't too serious. Not too serious. I don't think we're too serious. Pretty serious. Was it? So serious. You think we got a bit so in, the, in the weeds? Oh, there? Not. I don't know. I just not. It, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> You're right. That's always a good. That's it's right. always a good bar to have. Let's let the <laughs> doctor close us out. It could have yeah. been a lot worse. Thank you very much. Monica Stevens has been here. Thank you. Brett Will Taylor has been here. Alex Masser and Jonathan Fretley. Thank, Thank you so here. much. That's been Happy Hour for another week. Happy Hour today has been brought to us by Door Furniture for the last 80 years. Door Furniture has been serving retail customers throughout the greater New Orleans area from its home on Elysian Fields, also from strategic resumes. If you want to sharpen up your resume or your LinkedIn profile, thanks to to Travel Central and Metairie.
Basics Swim and Gym, Hangover Destroyer, and the Positive Vibrations Foundation, who create and encourage community through the development and preservation of arts, music, and heritage. Andrew Duhon will be back here next week, uh, as will I. In the meantime, our show was produced today by Graham DuPonte. Our associate producer is... Uh, who is our associate producer? Anybody know? Me. <laughs> Think back. I think our associate producer's retired or resigned. Our music director is Christian Unruh. Our associate music director is Monique Pyle. Thomas Walsh is our technical director. And today's show is not engineered by Garrett Pittman, but last week's was, actually. Thanks, Garrett, for that. Our Facebook Live feed director is Asher Griffith. Andrew Searock is our fact checker and social media connector. Our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show, drop us a line. Our address is on our website, where you can also check out many other previous happy hours that we've recorded, as well as some other shows we make around here, including Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, Live from Commander's Palace and Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tucker, plus our award-winning podcast about death called Death the Podcast. You can also find out other great Louisiana podcast as well at itsacadiana.com and itsbatonrouge.la and you keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and a bunch of other times something social media as well actually on all of it we're called It's New Orleans you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our It's New Orleans Facebook page these photos were taken by Jill Lafleur you can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app thanks for subscribing to us take a moment to rate and review us that helps other people find us our show was recorded live today at Wayfair on Red Street in Uptown New Orleans. Happy Hours of Production of I know Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. Fandy Duhon, everyone around the table here at Wayfair and back at our office at I know Broadcasting. Thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. I'll see you back here next week for more Happy Hour. <laughs>